Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. A big weekend ahead for women. Well, that's if you celebrate Mother's Day. My mother, Anne Ingle, growing up, um, you know, she's in our book club. You'll know her from her book, Open Hearted as well. I have to give her a bit of a plug. She never celebrated Mother's Day. Well, she wasn't into it. I think she didn't like the fuss and um, I think she sort of felt that the love for mothers should be expressed every day. And I kind of agree with that. And my mum actually has COVID at the moment and I'm a little bit worried about her, but I'm trying to remain calm and, um, you know, have faith that everything's going to be OK. And I know a lot of you listeners will have either contracted COVID recently or you have people in your family who do. And I know it's a little bit of a stressful time in that way. So I just want to send out all best wishes for anyone worrying about this kind of stuff and also send out uh, women's podcast love to all mothers and indeed daughters ahead of Mother's Day on Sunday. I hope on Sunday I'll just be spoiling her rotten and celebrating her even if she doesn't want me to celebrate her uh, and I'll be celebrating her coming through poxy COVID. So that's my hope for Mother's Day on Sunday. But in the meantime, on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about something called matrescence, which is the physical, emotional, hormonal and social transition to becoming a mother. So much of it was the expectation versus reality for me. And I think had I known that, I think, we, like you said, we all know it's going to be a shift. We know we're going to be tired, but I didn't think it was going to shake me from the inside out and let all the loose bits fall out you know it was such a monumental shift and I think now my baby's one and a half now I don't know if I can even say baby anymore but I only really feel like I'm coming up for air recently and we're going to have more on that later first a couple of stories from the week the depressing news from Afghanistan that the Taliban have reversed a decision to allow teenage girls back to secondary school despite repeated assurances that they could resume classes from Wednesday, sparking international condemnation and leaving desperate students stranded outside campuses. Schools were scheduled to reopen in Afghanistan for the new academic year. Girls have been allowed to attend primary school and the Taliban had said that students from grade 7 or about the age of 13 would be allowed to resume classes for the first time since the militants seized power last August. But the Taliban made a U-turn on Wednesday morning announcing that girls' high schools would remain closed until further notice. And that's according to the official Bakhtar news agency, which said that the girls' uniforms were not in compliance with Islamic law. It's just so depressing. Freshta Karim, who's a children's rights activist, said that millions of children, girls and boys, but especially girls and their families, will have to live with the trauma and pain of today. And Karim said her two nieces, aged 12 and 17, had been asked to leave their school after they'd already entered their classrooms. Apparently the Taliban 
entered with guns, she said. And as Republican Senator Michael Waltz said yesterday in America, to put it bluntly, we failed them. An entire generation had a taste of a more prosperous future and just the basic human rights that come with the girls' education. And now they are literally having those doors shut in their faces. Um, It's just beyond appalling. In slightly better news, well, in much better news, the first uh, male birth control pill which has shown significant results in lab trials, could begin human testing before the end of the year. Now, this contraceptive was created by researchers at the University of Minnesota, and it's been 99% effective at preventing pregnancy in mice with no apparent side effects. And rather than using hormones, the pill targets interactions with vitamin A, which is a key component in fertility. And of course, as we all know, hormonal pills carry the potential of weight gain and changes in libido and could lower levels of good cholesterol, causing potential heart issues. The research team noted that the mice who were given the compound called GPHR529 for four weeks showed a significant drop in semen, rendering them sterile. When the treatments were stopped, the mice returned to normal levels of virility within four to six weeks. So that is good news. Potentially, there is going to be a male contraceptive pill and that will be a bit of a game changer, just as the uh, female contraceptive pill was. But of course, it will come with its own challenges, which will be interesting to talk about at a future date. Finally, from this week's stories, the leaders of all five parties in government in Finland are women. And that country has just been named the happiest in the world. So, you know, you can do the maths on that one. (laughs) Now to today's podcast with Mother's Day fast approaching. It's on Sunday and you're welcome for the reminder. We wanted to discuss something called matrescence, which is a word I had not come across until recently. I have to confess. Matrescence is the understanding that when a woman becomes a mother, she experiences a fundamental transformation at every level of her life. People say to think of matrescence as like adolescence. It's a transitionary period. Being pregnant is a bit like going through puberty all over again. Hormones go mad, your hair and skin don't behave the way you'd like, and you develop a new relationship with a body that seems to have a mind of its own. Now, everyone understands, especially anyone who has children going through it, which I do at the moment, everyone understands that adolescence is an awkward phrase. And actually, top tip, watch Turning Red with your adolescence. I think it's an amazing film. It's on Disney Plus if you have that. So everyone understands that adolescence is an awkward phase. But during matrescence, people expect you to be happy and delighted when you're actually losing control over the way you look and feel and lots of things are going on. So we wanted to explore what this experience means. And we have two great women to discuss the issue today. Leila O'Mara is a postpartum doula, acupuncturist and mother of three living in County Wexford. She does this work around matrescence because of her own personal experiences of birth and postpartum in Ireland. And she felt abandoned by the system and the community around her. Caroline Foran is the author of three best-selling books on the topics of anxiety, confidence and vulnerability. Those books are Owning It, The Confidence Kit and Naked, 10 Truths to Change Your Life. Leila O'Mara was actually Caroline's postpartum doula and guided her through that very bumpy beginning because when Caroline arrived home from hospital with her new baby boy, she felt very anxious and very dark and not happy or excited or relieved just consumed by anxiety physically and emotionally. So it's really great to have these two women here talking about their experiences and hopefully 
helping people who are new mothers, people who are thinking about becoming mothers, but also just an acknowledgement of this state of matrescence and that it is a condition, not a condition, that's the wrong word. It's a transition. Let's put it like that. It's a transition that often doesn't get the kind of attention that it deserves. I thought it was a fascinating conversation. Hope you agree. So Leila, maybe we should just start by explaining to people, there's probably some people listening who know what it is, but I'd say there's an awful lot like me who only heard about this word quite recently. What is matrescence? So yeah, it's it's a word that really is, you know, my my word docs don't even recognise a big red line under it still. So it's it's really just coming into, you know, public um, popular knowledge. But in essence, it's a, a framework or a, a roadmap that will help us understand and navigate through the transformation that women go through when we become mothers. You know, I think as it stands, um, there's you know very little warning given to us or explanation or preparation for becoming a mother in many ways. You know, we have our birth prep, we have a lot of baby prep involved and, in, you know, all of the, the things that a baby we're told needs. We might research breastfeeding, but there's really no focus on what happens us as an individual when we become a mother. And so the term matrescence, I guess, firstly, is a way of just simply acknowledging the fact that we do change, which I think alone is huge for so many women to hear, okay, this isn't just me, this isn't just my journey, it's something I have in common with other women. And then also giving us a framework or a language around what's happening us and a reference point for it. Um, So yeah, I think a really helpful way that really helped me understand it is to compare it to adolescence. So, you know, we have the, the, it sounds a similar word, but it also in terms of what's happening us, you know, when we're going through this journey, firstly, it's not something we wake up on our 13th birthday and boom, it's done. You know, it takes however many years to go through that journey. Hormonally, there's huge changes going on that are acknowledged for an adolescent. Also, the support that we're given, you know, for that journey is and the importance of that support is really important for a teenager. You know, we know if an adolescent and a teenager has that support through that journey, the other end of it, we have this beautiful, well-rounded adult coming out the other side who you know, goes off into the, the big bad world. And it's the same for motherhood. And it's something that we don't really have. We don't have that support. We don't have that acknowledgement, really. And then, you know, it, it's also economically the shift that happens for us culturally, you know, how our culture views us, you know, socially, our relationships, you know, it's, it's and then even, you know, Dr. Aurelia Than, who's a big proponent of this word, who works in Columbia University, would speak about it spiritually, you know, this idea for her, she looks on that as, I guess, you know, what your values are, how you see the world may shift as well. And just acknowledging all of that and saying it's okay. And, you know, there's time and space and support for you to, to navigate it. So yeah, a, a long winded answer, but a, a framework essentially for us to understand what is going on. Yeah, I think it's it's so interesting. As I said, I only heard of the word uh, recently and but it makes so much sense. And if someone was kind of telling you before you had a baby, and obviously everybody knows on some level there's going to be massive changes. But if it was put in those terms that it's going to affect you in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your, in your spirit, as as you quoted there, you know, the changes in your peer groups, the changes in relation to the job that you do, loads of big sort of philosophical questions that are going to come up. Um, and I just think it's really nice and helpful 
to have a word that we can then discuss. Because the problem is, I think, and I'll bring you in, Caroline, here, is that as women, we are often, you know, believe that we're completely set up and equipped for this massive, massive change that happens. But realistically, that how why would we be? I mean, it's huge. Okay, there's maybe natural instincts that kick in, but there's so many other variables that we don't know how we're going to react to. And it's only natural that we might need support through this kind of major transition. How was it for you, Caroline? Oh, gosh, <laughs> there, there is so much to say. And I just I'm so grateful that I had discovered Layla and she had reached out to me and she had introduced me to the word matrescence and she really guided me through um, what I found to be a very difficult transition. And I think, you know, even far more intense than adolescence and squashed it to a shorter frame of time. And like like you said, that there's really very little awareness of it, that you just, we think of it as something so natural that you just have the baby and then you're a mother. Um, like that for me, I, I went into it thinking that labour was the finish line. I was so prepared for labour. Any any kind of things I did that were beyond labour were like how to bathe the baby, how to check the baby's temperature. It was all about the baby. And I just assumed that I would just be the most natural mother that, well, you know, it's the most natural thing in the world. Of course, I'm going to know what to do. It's going to be instinctual. And I'm going to, from from what I was consuming on social media anyway about motherhood, I was going to be out for brunch on the second day. I was going to have a blow dry and the baby was going to just slot right into my life. And, you know, I was going to bounce back and all this bullshit really, um, which, I mean, for some people, it is such a, a blissful, natural thing. But for so many of us, myself included, I mean, for, for me, like hormonally, I fell off a cliff. And then I was so shocked that I didn't feel like the image I was sold. Um, And I felt like there was something very wrong with me. I was like, why am I not loving every second of this? Why am I crying all the time? Why do I feel like I actually don't know what I'm doing? Why am I afraid to be left alone with my baby? Because I feel like you know, I don't know what, I don't know what this cry means. And everyone's like, you know, you're the mother, you know best. I didn't have a clue. And um, I, I think it was so much of it was the expectation versus reality for me. And I think had I known that, I think we, like you said, we all know it's going to be a shift. We know we're going to be tired, but I didn't think it was going to shake me from the inside out and let all the loose bits fall out. You know, it was such a monumental shift and I think now my baby's one and a half now I don't know if I can even say baby anymore but I only really feel like I'm coming up for air recently um and I felt so vulnerable vocalizing this which I did from day one because that's how I cope is I kind of reach out to the world and I say is it is it just me does anyone else feel this way and I was obviously so relieved to hear so many women say, you know, no, it's not just you. It's, it's, you know, it can be really, really hard in the beginning. There's so many things going on from, you know, hormonal. You're so, it's like you've been in a car crash and you're handed a little thing to look after. And like, it's, it's such a lot on one person. And I think the way we live in society these days is that it is, we do just think of it as, oh, they just slot right in. But like when we were having babies back in the day, as Layla taught me, your whole tribe was around you as a support there to help you. Like you weren't expected to try and maintain your self-employment on your social media and like get all the dinners cooked and keep all, you know, keep the house Instagram <laughs> picture ready. So the expectation on us these days is so far removed from what it's supposed to be about. Like even, you know, going out for a walk, like this pressure you feel to get out of the house the minute you have the baby as if that's some sort of measure of how you're doing. I just wish I could go back in time and be like, stay in the bed, have the cuddles, doesn't matter if someone else down the road is out looking glam and you look like an absolute toe. You know, that's your experience and it's valid and it's okay and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. 
Well, well said. Leila, I presume because you work with women and you help women through this transition of matrescence that everything Caroline's saying is the kind of thing that you hear. And again, I just want to say it sounds so normal when Caroline's explaining it there and that we would have a, some kind of way of discussing all of this and navigating it. But the, the problem is, I think women are just expected to get on with it and know what to do. And if you don't, and if you find it overwhelming, somehow you're a little bit of a failure. Well, you know, yeah. You're not doing it right. You're you're not doing the woman thing, the mother thing properly. And that just, that that's the start of that horrible guilt that I think many women feel. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, following Caroline's journey and working with her personally, but also seeing how she shared what she was going through on social media was such a breath of fresh air because it's just not seen on that level, you know, and we put our best foot forward and we put whatever on our, on our feed and then, you know, turn it off and it's a different reality for so many of us. So, you know, thank you, Caroline, for that. I think it's so important. But yeah, I think, you know, you touched on so many things there, Caroline, and all of them are res- resonate with me on my own journey. I've got three kids, the eldest is 10 now. But also, you know, with so many of the women that I that I work with and there's there's so many pieces to what you've said, Caroline, I think part of it is the society and everything that we have going on, you know, the messaging that we have um, around it and this idea of what a good mother is, like you were saying, Roisin, you know, the, the, the idea that we're failing at this idea that somehow... Even if we don't agree with it, I certainly didn't think that this is what I thought going into motherhood. But suddenly I have all of this baggage. I have all of these expectations about all the shoulds. You know, I always say with the women I work with, once that word comes up, it's, you know, flashing lights um, and a red flag. So that's part of it is what we're navigating on that level. And then part of it is, you know, like you were saying, Caroline, not knowing what to expect, you know, um, and add that to the level of pressures and expectations that we have going on in our lives, you know, in 2022 and pandemics and all of that on top of it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think looking at it from a physical level, we often go into pregnancy quite stressed, you know, quite, quite overwhelmed, depleted on some level. Um, or, you know, having gone through quite a long, you know, fertility journey for so many women at the moment. Um, and then we have a pregnancy. And then, like you said, Caroline, you know, I always say that birth is actually just the start line. And the message is that it's the finish line. So we think once we get to there that we're done and it's all going to turn into, you know, an Instagram ready world. When in fact, what we need is this recovery period because what's happening physically, never mind on any other level, is massive in our bodies. You know, our hormones, we give birth to this placenta, which is a, essentially a hormone factory in our bodies. All of that is, is leaves our body when we give birth and it takes time and nature wants it to take time to come back online and to rebalance. But what we do instead is, you know, get out to the supermarket, go out for a walk three days in because that's what we should do. And we're not given that time to, to recover. Um, so there's that piece of it as well. You know, what we're, what we're trying to keep up with and the impact that that has on us. And then there's a, a house of cards, you know, we, that impacts us emotionally. We feel overwhelmed. The guilt descends and it's, a, you know, a perfect storm in so many ways. I'm still holding on to that guilt. Like, I don't know yeah. at what stage I will be able to drop it, but that feeling of having let down my baby who you know I'm the only mother he's got I think he's pretty happy with me but that feeling of like 
oh, I, this wasn't the newborn experience I, I, I thought and I've failed in some way. And, I, and my logical brain knows that's not true. But I think it's just so deeply ingrained in us at such a, like historically, culturally, it's everything. It's just, you're supposed to love every second of it and you're only supposed to say it's amazing all of the time. And if you're feeling anything else, there's something not right. You should, maybe you should never have been a mother in the first place. And it's just horrible. I mean, I, I, it's probably a lot of it is coming from myself as well, you know, um, but I don't know what it's going to take to let go of that guilt. I guess once you once you sign up for parenthood, it's it's something you're going to carry around with you in some guise, in some shape or form, probably for the rest of your life. Am I right? <laughs> well, mine are nearly 13. I, I don't know. I, I had a little bit of that. I'm, I'm, I don't know what's something wrong with me. I don't really tend to feel too guilty because I feel like I'm doing what I can. And I, I know I kind but of that's very... amazing. Pr- yeah. Well, I'm kind of aware that I can't do everything and that I probably will mess up some bits of it. Um, But I think as long as I'm covering the main bases and I'm trying trying and I'm not just being you know outwardly neglectful then do you know yeah. and I have I also I'm, I think something I'd love to talk about is I have a very good partner who who is very much 50% if not like more 70% sometimes in terms of this the sort of support at home but that can be a massive issue for for some women too and I just wondered is there a male equivalent is there a patrescence because transition to fatherhood is also something that we don't talk about and maybe if we talked about that a bit more it might be that you know might be a healthy conversation you know what does a man do in the fatherhood and what is their role what are they going to get involved in what are are those kind of parameters yeah I think it's it's such a good question and I think it's so important you know I, I always say having a baby isn't a one woman job you know and we talk about a village and we talk about all of that but part of that village is who we're having a baby with you know and I think because we're going through this journey of pregnancy, you know, physically, and it's a very much a a reality for us, we tend to be the ones who um, are at the forefront of, of, of trying to sort things out or trying to fix it. And we're feeling that. But the role of, of our partner is massive, you know, in terms of understanding what we're going through, but also they are going through, like you say, a patrescence. It's a shift for them. It's a hormonal shift for them, actually, you know, as well. There's really interesting studies looking at, you know, levels of oxytocin and all kinds of things that rise in, in a man and a, or, or in whatever sex partner, actually, interestingly. Um, but it, it's that their role is, is really fundamental. And I think if we, you know, look, pull it back even wider and look at the societal stuff and the going back to work and the maternity leave and all of that. Um, you know, there's very clear evidence and studies in, in countries where, um, paternity leave and the uh, allowing the father have a really active role early on in, in that, um, postpartum and later it shifts so much in terms of of how they're involved later on, how they feel about their family, how they behave, their choices that they make and giving that opportunity to men as well and saying this is like it. I get it it gets quite big in my head. You know, I kind of say what we're doing here with having children is, you know, we're making the next generation for the planet, you know, and that's that's fact, you know, and to to support that socially and culturally and, you know, but policy is is so important um because it's it's not just us as as women and i think that's part of the problem is is we feel like we're fighting this battle on our own and until it it moves out into a conversation about how do we as a society support this journey you know i think it's it's a much harder battle 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And Layla, you are something called a postpartum doula, and this this is you supporting women through this transition. And mm. matrescence is something that you've really very much um, got into. So we talked about the common things. Caroline has articulated it very well: the anxiety, the overwhelm, the feeling of you know not of failing, of not doing well. How do you support women through this? I mean, have you found good results in? These things just being named and spoken about and then, you know, working through them. Mm. I suppose, Caroline, you can say how good she is at her job later on as well. But first of all, Layla, what, what, do you, what do you try to do with them? Yeah, well, I, I, I no longer work one to one with women. There's a lot of incredible women in Ireland now doing that and working in the home with women. So I've done that training. That is my background. I, I no longer do that one to one. But the impact of that is so huge, you know, um, firstly, preparing the the the, there's a lot of practical things you can do, you know, in terms of preparing, but really it's in terms of the headspace of saying, okay, I'm going into um, this postpartum period where I always say you get to play by different rules for a while. You know, I think most of us are used to living in quite a, you know, a masculine, quite, you know, um, you know, left brain, really kind of organized space in, in our jobs, in our work, in our worlds. And we're stepping into a different space for a time. So there's a bit of a mind shift for that, allowing us to accept help, allowing ourselves to rest, not feeling guilty. There it is again, not thinking about what we should do, but really just playing by different rules for a time. So just that alone, I think is, is it can be quite challenging for a lot of us, if I'm honest, but, um, just getting into that headspace is, is huge. And then being supported, being there, you know, the, the word midwife even means with woman, you know, and it's, it's this idea. I had an experience of it in, in Germany. I had my first two babies there, which is really then coming back to Ireland and seeing the difference with my third baby is how I got into this work with going, wow, when you have this support after birth, um, the difference, mostly in my mental health, if I'm really honest, it was physical things as well, but really was massive. Um, so really it's, it's just being there, you know, it's, it's being there. There's lots of practical things that a postpartum doula can do. They can cook for you. They can, you know, look after your baby while you rest or whatever it is. Um, but it's just that sense of being with another woman in that space and being supported in that and that person being there entirely for you, you know, anything they do for the baby is because it helps you, you know, and 
just that alone is is I found, you know, with there's lots of practical things that they do, but really that is is what is is massive. Um, and there's lots of evidence now showing that when that support is there, the levels of postnatal depression, the le- the levels of, you know, a lot of um, autoimmune stuff that can often kick off, lots of, you know, physical recovery speeds up. So on a very practical level, um, it's it's a really important um you know, offering to have, but I am in a mental health space, I think is where I find it, you know, huge. Yeah. So Caroline, following on from that, um, what did Layla do for you then? How did she help and what help and support have you had that's made things, this massive transition easier? So when I had my baby, we were in the height of COVID. So, uh, and I, I think I was probably, Leila, I was probably one of your, the last people that you worked with one-on-one. I think you just kindly made space for me because I was like, please help me. To be honest, I didn't go into it thinking I was going to need any support. Like I, I, like I say, the expectation and reality were so different. And like, I remember myself and Leila recorded an episode, about podcast about the fourth trimester. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, that's just something we're creating just to like, you know, and then holy shit, did it hit me. So once I kind of knew, hang on, there's some, Layla's there, she could probably help me. Um, I I think where I'm really fortunate is that I have so much experience with, you know, anxiety and being very self-aware and, and like with my mental health that I am the first person to say, I don't feel right, I need some support here. Whereas I think particularly as, as new mothers, you know, there might be like, oh, I, I can't appear to need help because I'm supposed to, I should really have this all figured out. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to ask for help. I need support. Um, so with Layla, because of COVID, we just had a couple of phone calls and it was something I looked forward to so much, um, maybe two phone calls a week for a few weeks. Um, and as Layla said, the rest of the, the rest of your world is focused on the baby. How's the baby doing? Is the baby putting on the weight that it lost after birth? Um, is, you know, what's the sleep like? And Layla was there in that space and that, which just created that space on the phone where it was entirely about how am I coping? How am I doing? And being able to talk about how I was feeling without, judgment or fear of judgment or worrying about what someone will think of me was really important and just then the education piece around understanding the significance because we 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 minimize it so much like you know people have babies every day like get on with it and this is supposed to be like I said the most natural thing in the world so I needed to know I needed permission to feel how I was feeling and that it was okay and Layla gave me that and educated me on on matrescence and really made me realize to step back from the intensity of the hormones and and how I was feeling and understand that yes I had made this big shift from the part of my brain that's you know task focused and problem solving and that goes out the window when you become a baby you can't apply logic to them and you know things like he he was he was quite an unsettled baby as well and you think well if I just well if the book says to do this and I do it it should work and we're so used to being you know with babies you have to be trial and error and I was like no no I want trial and success so I really needed someone to remind me that that's such a doesn't doesn't happen overnight it's going to take time to lean into that part of your brain that says what do I think or feel might be the right thing to do here what do what do I actually need at a deeper level like tuning into your intuition and this sounds can sound a bit bullshitty but it was so important at the time to realize what was happening in that shift in my brain and allow for it and say, well, of course that that's going to be a bit tricky. And of course it makes sense and go easy on yourself and to allow myself to have compassion. Um, and also because of Layla's course, which is available to everyone. And um, there was a lot of practical things there too. Like, you know, she was able to remind me of things that like the kind of way to nourish myself and the things that would help balance hormones from a, from a nutrition perspective. Um, and then every evening, because my anxiety was so high, um, I did this beautiful yoga nidra meditation, um, which 
apparently and is is like as effective as three hours of restful sleep or something like that and that just putting in place those little frameworks gave me as Layla described at the time because your routine goes out the window but it gave me beats in the day where I could check in and I could create a little framework that helped me navigate through what I found was a really really difficult time um and yeah it was the permission it was a validation it was the it was the the space to think about just me for a moment um which even saying that I feel selfish saying that but it's isn't that terrible like we you've just been through childbirth you know it's you need that um and Layla was integral to my relatively quick then coming back to feeling like no okay I've 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 got this yeah it's it's funny that you mentioned that kind of cringe almost in yourself about you know taking care of yourself this kind of feeling that why am I doing that but I think maybe that that's why I go back to my maybe lack of guilt is because I kind of very aware that if I'm not happy or if I'm not kind of dealing with the stuff that I need to deal with, then I'm not going to be a good parent. Like I'm not going to do it as well. So if you look at it the other way around, like that, you're actually good parenting is actually putting that stuff into you. Is your Nidra yoga is all the stuff that you've done with Layla. That's you being super, super responsible as a woman, as a mother. And I think we need to look at it that way around because I think sometimes it's seen as selfish or something. I agree. But I think part of why I felt like it was selfish was because I did come up a lot against a lot of judgment when I shared that I was doing these things for myself. And I think, I mean, we all know being intelligent women that of course that makes sense. Happy mum, happy baby. You have to, you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's, I mean, I really believe that the mother's mental health and physical health is paramount and alongside the babies, whereas we always put ourselves, we tend to put ourselves last and it's all about the baby first. And like, we, we know logically that that's makes sense. But when I did start sharing these things, and I remember there's obviously all these horrible forums, which I try to avoid, but when you have a following of any kind, you're going to end up in these forums where people talk and no, there's no group of people like to judge more than mothers, which is really unfortunate. Like other mothers who've been through it, judging other mothers has been so, so hurtful to me that I'm trying really hard to avoid those things now. But when you, when you're vulnerable and you put out yourself out there, you're going to be open to attack of some kind. And unfortunately that's just the price you pay. Um, And I remember little things like I had, um, you know, my in-laws minded him. So I, and I went and I did a bit of yoga on a yoga mat. And it was like, I remember seeing these comments, like, did she just get a minder so she could exercise? Like, God, and like, how selfish is that? And I was like, oh my God, like you can't, it's that. So do you want me to leave a child in a room by itself while I exercise and try to heal myself? Like try to heal my pelvic floor? I did the responsible thing by getting childcare. How dare you step away from your child for one minute, you know, and just the martyrdom of motherhood is so still so it's still there. It's still such an issue. And I'm sure people will listen to this and judge me for what I'm saying as well. But it's, yeah, I think we're at well, that. Let them, let yeah, them I know. Away, and to I be don't... honest, I don't care because I know that for as, as, as much as I'm a sensitive person and it, it's, you know, your defense mechanism goes up when someone questions your motherhood and someone, sorry, someone also sent, um, my husband a message on Instagram saying that they had seen me on Instagram and I was sharing the highs and lows and everything and they said that um, they, they were very concerned for the the welfare of my baby that was I really fit to look after my baby messaging my husband and, and that rocked me so much I was like you know nothing like my, I think my husband would be the first person to be like I know if my baby's in danger and because I was like this is the exact reason why women are so afraid to say it's difficult or challenging because that judgment of oh I don't think you're good enough at this then that's how people end up in postnatal depression because they feel so ashamed of the feelings that they have which are so normal um and I just had to kind of persevere through that 
in 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 my goal of trying to normalize these things, which is part of my wider work of trying to normalize things that are so normal that people feel ashamed of. Yeah. Leila, you wanted to get in there in response to what, what Caroline's saying and in response to that sort of judgment idea, I suppose. Yeah, the, the judgment piece, I, a, a really helpful framework. And you kind of almost you use those words there at the end of not being good enough, you know, for something. And I, there's a um, I think is a psych. He was a psychologist or a psychotherapist. I, I'm not sure which. And named Donald Winnicott. And he spoke in the in the the 50s and 60s about this idea of being a good enough mother. And it was so, it's been such a helpful framework for me in terms of all of that guilt of you know I should 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 all of that stuff. And what he would say is that, you know, we have all of this, this idea of what a good mother is. And a good mother is selfless. She puts herself before her children. She's always there. She's always on time. She's always well put together. She's always calm. You know, all of this stuff that I don't believe it, but somewhere in there, it's still a little gremlin, you know, that comes out, you know, no matter, you know, card holding, holding feminist that you are, it's still in there from the societal messaging. But what he said was, it's actually really important that we are just good enough, you know, and it was exactly what you were saying earlier as well, Roisin, you know, we do our best and we keep them going, you know, and actually what our children need from a developmental perspective as well is for um for for them to see us fail in manageable ways yeah. you know so that they can have that context so that we're not perfect because life isn't perfect we're not perfect they're not perfect it's 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 that's not you know the world that we're in so for for our children to see us fail in manageable ways is actually really important for for their development. Well, then I am doing brilliantly because You're they see me fail in manageable ways star. all the time, <laughs> and I'm constantly going. You might not realize I am not perfect. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I make mistakes. Look at this mistake I just made. Now I'm trying to fix it. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, because there a lot of judgment from children as they get older, Caroline, you'll find as well. It gets all thrown back at you, and I, you have to become very like okay, mm. chat away amongst yourselves. I mean, I know I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad parent, but um. Later you mentioned feminism there and before we end I'd love to talk about something again I had never heard of matricentric feminism mm. which is what you um, espouse at, at the moment or that's the type of feminist that you are tell us about that well yeah, it's something that I've learned again relatively recently um, it um, Angela O'Reilly has written a book called matricentric feminism and it, it was something that when I read it because it was always something that was a little niggle for me, you know, of saying, I, you know, I'm definitely a feminist. I definitely feel all of this, but I feel slightly unattended to within that as a mother. And how I, I, I couldn't fit it all together, if I'm really honest, you know. And so coming across this idea of matricentric feminism and what she says really is the first few waves of feminism, you know, sometimes very, you know, obviously pushed, you know, mothers aside um, and almost necessarily, you know, this is the battle that we have to fight. These are the, this is the cause at the moment. So it's really about putting the mother back in the center of, of that, that, that experience, um, and at the center of feminism and saying, okay, the, the role of a mother is really, really important here. It's not going backwards to the 1950s and saying, you know, that is your job as a woman, but it's saying that in the mix of that, that what we're doing as a mother is really, really important. So how do we balance that and, you know, being with our, not outsourcing it 100% of the time, which is what the kind of capitalist patriarchal culture tells us that we should do, but also not going backwards to 1950s and saying, you know, this is all that I want to do. And how do we parse that? How do we balance that? Um, 
it doesn't give us answers because it's, it's, a, it's a new paradigm. It's a new way of doing things. But it is really acknowledging the importance of the role of a mother in, in the center of that. And for me, that was like, OK, I can f- see all these parts clicking together now. Um, so it's been a really helpful framework for me personally as a mum and, you know, a self-employed mum. Um, and then also with the, the women I'm working with, it's huge, this this pull and push between, you know, motherhood and the other parts of us. Um, and how do we how do we fit it all together? Yeah. And just Caroline, finally, for anyone listening who is either about con- thinking about having children or is in that stage or is looking back maybe at their own parenting, what would you say based on your experience of having kind of discovered matrescence and realising how important it is to look at, at that and to explore it and to, to let it be that big transition and not just take it for granted that you're going to be brilliant at it. What would you say to people? I think it's really important. I mean, I when I talk about my experience, I don't want to scare people and be like, oh my God, it's terrible and it's, you know, so hard. I think I would not have struggled to the extent that I did had I had the awareness to be like really realistic and and to to maybe even read up on matrescence and just understand to go easy on yourself and to just from day one bring in the compassion um, with yourself. It's the compassion is so important because... I mean, if you're hard on yourself to begin with, you, that just gets dialed up to several notches when you're when you're tired and you're, you're overwhelmed and when you become a mother. Um, I think really if we could move away from thinking of labour as the finish line. And I was so relaxed in labour because I was like, I've done it. I'm here. And then I remember because it was COVID, my husband couldn't stay and the elevator doors closed and I was left alone with the baby. And I was like, hmm, what? And if you could, if you could just work on tempering your expectations and you know, you will get back to brunch and sleeping and, you know, just be so gentle with yourself and, and really go back to basics. Um, and you'll, I think from, from what I've been sharing, uh, then people who follow me, who then went on to have babies, a lot of them have messaged me to thank me saying they actually had a really nice experience because they were so allowing for the fact that it might feel hard and shit sometimes and they might be crying and that's okay. And it's normal. Um, and I think, yeah, when we can kind of temper those expectations, we have a much nicer, more forgiving, calmer, real experience where I was just another world away from what I thought I should be. Mm. And Leila, tell us about your uh, Nua Nua Online is uh, your company you have and what, what you can do for people if people want to get in touch and find out more. Yeah, so in terms of, the, so the website is nuanua.com and then Instagram is Nua Nua Online. Um, and yeah, I in terms of understanding matrescence, there's a free three day audio and um, they're just eight, 10 minutes long each audio kind of introduction to matrescence. So that might be a really nice place to begin for people. Um, at the moment, I have a course called Mother Moon, which is a year long, I guess, container for mums. So we meet um, once a month for kind of a sharing circle. And then there's talks by some amazing people over the year as well, mostly online. Um, and, um, then I have a, a field guide, um, which is a, a preparing, which is, is what Caroline was referring to earlier, which is a, a preparing, um, course for, for pregnant mums to help prepare for the, the fourth trimester as well. So a lot of resources out there. And mm. Caroline, everyone, you've still got the Owning It podcast and you've written three amazing books about all the things you've been through very openly, very honestly. And it's it's helped a lot of people. Thank you so much. And actually, one book that we have to mention, Leila, that you recommended to me is What Mothers Do by Naomi Stead. Am I saying Stedlin is the right surname? Yeah. And I read it. She recommended it to me when I was in those first few days of raw, vulnerable 
new motherhood. I read it like three times in a row back to back and it was the most, mm-hmm. oh, such an incredible tonic. So I would say that is absolutely essential reading for not just new mothers, but partners as well. And it, it's, it's, it, it's incredible. I, so I haven't really written about motherhood yet. I might go down that road, but um, there's plenty of brilliant resources out there as is. And I think you probably will. It's inevitable, Caroline. But thank you both, Leila and Caroline, for joining. I, I think there's loads of food for thought there for people, whether they have kids or they're thinking about it. And um, it's just to acknowledge this massive transition that happens and that it's a long one. And it's it's like, I think the adolescence idea is so easy to latch on to. It doesn't just happen like that. It's a process. It's different for everyone. It's got highs and it's got lows. And if we just name it and say that, it makes things a lot better. So um, well done to both of you for talking about it. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. That's all we have time for. Happy Mother's Day in advance. And thanks so much to Caroline Foran and Leila O'Mara for that brilliant discussion. That's it from me. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, by Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves and I'll talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.